Welcome to Eat With Be The RD. I'm Bretta, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. This podcast is an invitation for you to join me at the table where we discuss all things nutrition, health, and life. All right, so today we're going to talk about why we eat. And there are a lot of different reasons. So I think you all know I'm a dietitian, and normally we would talk about uh, what eating healthy looks like, and we're going to get to that. But I think it's important to kind of go through all the reasons why people might eat because it's not just about nutrition and health. Um, I don't always eat because foods are nutritious and healthy. Um, There are a lot of different reasons. So Really what brought this about is I was giving a presentation a few weeks ago and we um, were talking about, you know, what makes a healthy meal. And not everything you eat needs to be healthy. You don't have to feel like it should be healthy. Um, There are a lot of intuitive cues that you can lean into to really figure out what that's going to look like for you and how you can have a happy healthy life that fits your version of health and is really going to help you meet whatever goals you have and allows you to live the life that you want. So I kind of just pulled what we talked about from this presentation and I'm just going to recap it with you guys because I do think that um, it it was really good if I do say so myself, but (laughs) I think it's actually uh, really, really helpful for a lot of people just because a lot of times we do think that um, that, that there's like a lot of guilt associated with eating and that, oh, I have to eat healthy foods all the time, um, which no one does. So in fact, that can even be unhealthy in itself. And we'll have to work through that too. So if you think that, that you might be affected by feeling like you have to eat healthy all the time, I really, really encourage you to, um, reach out. You can reach out to me and I will connect you with someone who can help you and help you kind of find some freedom in the foods that you put into your body and really more that freedom in that mental space just because it's not fun to think about foods all the time. And that's coming from someone who gets paid to think about food all the time. So, you know, you do have to have a break. There's there's more to life than food. You shouldn't have to feel obsessed with it. So let's kind of unpack that. And then we will get to what I personally think makes a healthy meal and how you can incorporate that into your life and go through all of those components. So I asked a few people in my Facebook group. Uh, it's called the Nourish Together Community. Um, what some of the reasons they eat are and they nailed it. Um, There's a couple of other things that I thought of, too, or that were said in this presentation that I thought I would add. So first, you know, people do eat because food is nutritious and healthy. And I think that's important to acknowledge. Um, A lot of times people eat because of tradition, um, will eat to be social, will eat food because of love, because someone we love has made it. um, And it's important for us to partake in that or maybe we're enjoying it with family. And that is all great. Um, and, and those are, those are reasons we should eat, um, a few more taste. Duh. Um, there are so many foods that we eat just because they taste good. And I think that that is so important that, um, you know what, it's totally fine to indulge on foods that are just delicious. Um, a big one right here, you eat cause you're hungry. Sometimes you don't really care what it is. Um, 
yeah, you're just, you're hungry. You got to put something in. It might be convenient. Um, it could be about what's available or what you have access to. Um, some people eat when they're bored. There's a lot of emotional eating that happens in people. People stress eat. Um, we eat when we're sad, you know, wallow in a little bit of ice cream, never hurt anyone. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different reasons. And so I think that acknowledging the reason why you're eating is super important in when as we transition into looking at what is healthy for us to eat. So um, I'll just go over this really quickly. Basically, what I recommend to people as far as like, you know, if you're intentionally trying to have a healthy meal, what I recommend to people is a palm-sized protein. So that is like not including your fingers, just the palm of your hand. And then I have them fill the rest of the plate with vegetables, like not fruits here, but just vegetables. And then your fruits, your dairy, and your grains are all like accents to your plate to add flavor, to add texture, to help fill you up. Um, and that's kind of where those components come in. So if we're talking like ideal healthy meal, for me, that's what it looks like. And you can add whatever um, you really want to add as far as the accents go. So that is, that's just pretty much like baseline what I recommend to people. Eat your protein and your veggies first. Um, or just at least have that be the base of what you're eating and then everything else, a little sprinkle here and there. You know, maybe you finished and you ate a ton of veggies and you ate your protein and you're like, ooh, still hungry, like needs are not met yet. And you're going to eat some dinner rolls or some bread, um, some fruit. Maybe you're going to have dessert, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Totally fine. And that's that's a pretty basic healthy meal. Um, I think something people don't understand a lot of the time is the timing of when you eat. And I think that's like a trendy thing to talk about right now too. So like what intermittent fasting is huge. Um, we can call it IF sometimes. So if I say that, just that's what it is, intermittent fasting. And that's basically time-restricted eating. So um, a lot of people will do an 8 and 16. Um, some people will do like 4 and 20. Some people do like a one hour where they eat and they don't eat for 20 hours. Some people do like um, they switch days. I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work to me. There's a lot of planning involved with that. So for me, when I like to think of timing, um, I like to think of like those times during the day. Kind of take it, take yourself back to like maybe like the 1950s where, you know, you ate those three meals a day and you had one at like, seven before you went to work and then you had your noon um, lunch and then you had your your evening meal, right? So the reason I like this is eating throughout the day. Um, and I even think you should include snacks if you get hungry for snacks. And so that's another piece that we'll get to. But basically, um, even if you include snacks, your meal should be at least like three hours apart. So your meals and your snacks should be at least three hours apart from each other. And this, uh, well, physiologically, it allows your body to give itself a break. So I think we'll actually probably end up talking a lot about diabetes today, just because that's kind of not, <laughs> it's not popular, but it's uh, been 
pretty prevalent for a long time, and a lot of people are working to cure their diabetes and things like that. So I think it's pretty relatable for a lot of people. Most people know someone who has diabetes, and so um, a lot of this will relate to that. And of course, diabetes has a lot of other health um, factors that play into it too. So, you know, not like this will be a cure-all, but I think it is, ends up being really relatable. So we want to have that like two to three hour break between our meals and our snacks. And that allows our body to give itself a break from like this constant insulin production. So every time you eat food of protein or carbohydrates, it's a little bit less for protein, but it's a lot for carbohydrates, your body produces a ton of insulin. And so, well, not really a ton, okay, it produces like a normal amount. If you uh, have normal physiology for, uh, and you're not diabetic. If you are diabetic, you might be producing more just because we end up with insulin resistance. If you're curious about what insulin resistance is, I'm not going to get into it here, but you can check out my blog at eatwithbrd.com. I just wrote a post um, on like all about insulin resistance, easy to digest, super easy, easy to understand, and it'll give you kind of like just a better idea of what insulin resistance really is. And it'll probably help you understand what we're talking about a little bit better too. But basically, it gives your body a break. And so insulin resistance can occur from just like this constant stream of insulin being released from your pancreas due to grazing or, um, you know, over time, uh, there's just reasons why we become more insulin resistant, which I outline all of that in this uh, post that I wrote. So check that out. But if you allow yourself to have this break between your meals and your snacks, then your body can take a break from that insulin and you're less likely to get insulin resistance and you're more likely to keep those cells really sensitive to the insulin so that way they can use the carbohydrates and the protein so much better. So timing as far as spacing things out is great. I know that there's like this huge debate between, okay, do I eat snacks or do I not eat snacks? Here's my thing. Pack a snack. If you're not hungry, don't eat the snack. Simple as that. Um, if you do pack a snack, you have to have at least two of the food groups. So you have to have um, a carb and a protein, protein and a fat. Um, I would even be fine with like a carb and a fat. And I have a simple snacks handout also on my website. So if you're interested in that, there's a free download there. But like I get a lot of promotion today. So maybe this is a great, <laughs> a great uh, um, podcast for this week sending some people to my website. So anyway, but for snacks, you do want to have um, those two food groups. It's going to fill you up better. You're going to be much more satisfied and it's going to keep you from wanting to eat between all of those meals. So it's going to keep you from grazing. So we digest carbohydrates. That's going to be like your grains, um, like your pastas and your breads and your rice, all of that. We digest that so quickly that it's really hard to stay full. Um, your body needs carbohydrates. So like when we were talking about that with um, our healthy like meal pattern, you have your protein, um, which protein and fat help you stay full. That is uh, what they do to your hormones in your body that tell you when you're hungry and when you're full. Those, they digest slower and they help you stay full. So that's important. Um, when we talk about looking for um, our carbohydrates, 
the reason that they are important is because our body loves to use carbohydrates as fuel. So that fuel can kind of, you know, you might feel really hungry when you're reducing your carbohydrates because your body is used to having that for fuel. So it's constantly telling you, hey, 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 I need more, I need more, I need more. So after you have that uh, balanced meal of the protein and the veggies, and then you'll need to add some carbs, a little bit extra carbs with your fruit and your grains to really like just to tell your body like, hey, 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 you have enough carbohydrate to get by. And that will help keep you um, full as well. So although that's not the carbohydrates primary goal, kind of you're just kind of capping um, capping your appetite there because you're giving your body all the nutrients that it needs. And this is really standard um, healthy eating. There are times you need to be on a specialty diet um, and we're not talking about that right now. So just kind of if that's something that you're doing, um, if it's been medically prescribed, that's great. If not, maybe you want to reevaluate. Um, reach out and we can have a talk. That would be awesome. Or you can find if you're looking for someone in your area, I'm happy to connect you with another provider. So um, that's your meal structure. Take some snacks. Have two food groups with them. I like to call them mini meals instead. They need to be like their own event. So you pull out your, for me, my favorite is apples and peanut butter. You pull out your apples and peanut butter and you take your 15 minutes to just really savor and enjoy the apples and the peanut butter. And then you go back to what you're doing because hopefully you're full from the protein and the fat in the peanut butter and the nice little like sweet um, carbohydrate from the apple. And plus you get some fiber in there too. So it's really the perfect snack. Um, yeah, so really important as far as that goes. When you eat your meals, um, you know, if you, sometimes I take breakfast to work with me and maybe I'm not hungry after I've eaten breakfast before lunchtime, but I've packed a snack for the morning totally fine. If I'm not hungry, I don't have to eat my snack, but I do have my snack there if I do get hungry. And so I think that's really important. Like a lot of times I'll tell people, I'm like, hey, schedule out your day to where your eating occasions will be like two to three hours apart. So you'll have like a seven o'clock breakfast, a 10 o'clock snack, a 1230 lunch, a 330 snack, and then you'll eat dinner at 630 and maybe you'll have a snack after that. Um, where like a lot of people think like, oh my gosh, that might be way too much food. Like I do not need that much. And that's totally fine. Like you might not actually need all those snacks. Like maybe you're busy, maybe you're not hungry, whatever. It's important to eat though. So have it available. I think I've made that pretty clear. And let's talk about breakfast. So with intermittent fasting being so popular and also, I mean, like everyone has trouble, um, with breakfast anyway. So, you know, it, uh, and we kind of have this scientific debate on like, is breakfast good for you? Is breakfast bad for you? Here's my thing. Eat your breakfast. Okay. Most of the time people don't eat breakfast and sorry, not trying to offend anyone because we're lazy and that includes myself. So sometimes I find myself like unintentionally intermittent fasting and I just like won't eat breakfast until or my first meal of the day will end up being at two and that is not good so you really do want to try and get in a breakfast and here's why so 
when you sleep, um, your body, typically like your hormones, like they go down, you're nice and relaxed. But then when it gets that like close to that time to wake up, you have a couple hormones that kind of activate. I'm sure you guys have heard of adrenaline. Um, and then there's cortisol, glucagon, and growth hormone. And those all activate and they start um, kicking out glucose, which is your blood sugar. They start kicking out sugar from your stores into your blood. And the hormones themselves just kind of say like, hey, buddy, wake up. It's time. So in paying attention to that and understanding that all of those hormones, part of their like not really a side effect, but they also increase your blood sugar. So when you wake up, if you eat when you wake up, like within about an hour of waking up, that will really help reduce your adrenaline um, and some of those, possibly some of those other hormones as well. So, it, you know, if you're feeling like stressed and running behind, well, number one, if you take the time to eat breakfast, you're going to like create a little bit of space in your day to just kind of chill and relax. Number two, it actually will impact your hormones. So I have, uh, I was reading an article. Well, I was just looking at some charts from an article that show our fasting, like our adrenaline and our norepinephrine in fasting, and then that they drop after we eat breakfast. So on both of them, especially if you end up falling into this, sorry, like trigger warning here. Um, but if you fall into an obese category, your norepinephrine will be higher and under fasting conditions and eating breakfast lowers it um, really well. So something to think about um, as we kind of go through this and, you know, as you're thinking of like, hey, do I need to add breakfast to my day? Well, yeah, I think you should. That's my consensus. Um, breakfast is never going to be bad for you unless you're eating things that are also like quote unquote bad for you. But remember, there are a lot of reasons why we eat. And so if you're eating like uh, pancakes and French toast and having all the syrup, great. Think about your intention because I guarantee you, your intention is not to have a healthy breakfast. And that is totally fine. Like you could be eating that to be social. You could be eating that because pancakes are delicious. I'm pretty sure you could probably, um, a few, <laughs> one of my favorite, uh, things would be if they just gave everyone pancakes instead of bread at restaurants, how great would life be? So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be healthy, but think about, you know, why you're eating. Well, if your intention is to be healthy and you're eating pancakes drenched in syrup, eh, we might need to reevaluate and pick a different intention there. Okay. So that is important. There's a couple of other research papers and here's the thing, like there's conflicting data all over the board, but, um, it, it, it just, Breakfast can also reduce your daily hunger, so it helps keep you'll like throughout the day those uh, hormones that tell you you're hungry, those will be reduced, and so you'll have more we call it satiety throughout the day. Um, and then what they found in a couple of like they're small studies, so you know bear with me here, but actually your sugar and really high carb dinners are reduced. So if you eat breakfast it appears that you will eat um, a, a a dinner that is lower in sugar and um, easily digestible carbohydrates than people who skip breakfast. So, you know, there's that. And 
it's possible too that it improves your sleep quality. So all great things. Um, if you are intending to have a healthy breakfast, you should still follow the model that we laid out um, at the beginning. So you want to have a palm-sized protein. So um, great breakfast protein is eggs. So you want to have as many eggs as will fit in your palm. Have those eggs. If you can throw in some spinach, tomatoes, mushrooms, whatever, you know, there's your veggies. And then maybe you're going to have some strawberries or a slice of toast or you're going to add juice to your omelet, whatever. Beautiful, healthy breakfast. Um, you know, might help you eat better at dinner, might increase your sleep quality, might keep you from being hungrier later in the day. And I think some people will challenge that because a lot of times after you eat breakfast, or if you're not in the habit of eating breakfast, you are really hungry, you know, maybe like a couple hours later, you're a lot hungrier than you would be if you didn't eat breakfast. Well, when you don't eat, you're putting your body into starvation mode, and your body does not like to be in starvation mode, and it does not like to feel hungry, so it's going to turn down those hunger cues. So when you are constantly in starvation mode, your body is going to say, mm-mm, not going to feel hungry. So really like <laughs> that's actually an unhealthy response so you might think that oh hey i'm not hungry so that's great cuz i don't want to be like eating too much well actually that's that's really not great for your body either so take your snack instead you know there's that take that uh that mini meal make it its own little event and you're good to go <laughs> so a couple more things on this um actually yeah, I don't know. There's really not much more on that. Oh, uh, except we can talk about, you know, your regular meals and the intent behind those. So at this presentation I was at, someone asked, you know, okay, so like um, if we want to do spaghetti, should we do like zoodles? And I said, well, it depends on your intent. So um, if you're eating spaghetti and, you know, just bear with me here guys because spaghetti is not inherently like bad for you you know we really try to not assign like uh good and bad labels to foods but i think that's um it's easy for people to comprehend though so that's kind of where we're going but so maybe like spaghetti isn't inherently good for us but why are we eating the spaghetti are we eating the spaghetti because it's super nutritious and you know, going to give you tons of energy or are we eating the spaghetti because it's delicious um, and we're getting together with family or it's easy to cook or it's what we have. I mean, there are a lot of other reasons. And, you know, spaghetti still has a bunch of like nourishing things. But what if we are trying to add more veggies into our diet? Well, you could do that with a side salad um, and then you'd still probably have a really balanced meal. And there are a lot of things there, but do you have to do zoodles to make it healthy? If you're doing that, is it going to achieve the same goal that eating the regular spaghetti would? So if your intent is to have a, let's say, like like a really like, maybe it's tradition. Maybe it's like really like soulful, like healing food for you. Maybe that's like what spaghetti is for you. And say you switch out the regular noodles for zoodles, so like um, spiralized zucchini, um, is that going to be as satisfying as just having the regular noodles? Because if it's not going to satisfy the intention behind it, 
then either one, don't sub the zoodles or two, like fine. We need to, whatever we're doing should meet the intention. So, you know, just eat the spaghetti or switch it and do something that's going to, you know, meet the nutritious intention you are like going for. If you really enjoy zucchini noodles and your intention is to have a healthy meal and it's on hand and it's going to fulfill that intention, great, have at it. Um, but in my personal opinion, I don't necessarily think zoodles are always going to fill that intention uh, or, or going to, to feel uh, as satisfying as just eating the regular pasta. So keep that in mind because we don't always have to eat just because it's healthy, you know. Sometimes you have to eat just because people have to eat, and that's totally okay. Um, yeah, so that is really all I have for, you know, this why we eat and what makes it healthy segment. So we're going to transition on into my weekly review. <laughs> so this week has been kind of crazy just overall. Um I should have mentioned on my last podcast episode that my paperwork for my LLC went through, so I'm very excited. Uh Eat With B, the RD, is officially an LLC now, and I am taking on new clients, which I can talk about that a little bit later, but I'm very um, excited for that. And this week, I finished my nutrigenetics class. Um, I wrote a paper on genetics, um, nutrition, and autism. And it was actually very interesting. The class was phenomenal. I learned so much and I'm really excited. So basically what we talk about is like, okay, say you get like a 23andMe done or something like that, which isn't, I don't know, guys, it's, it's honestly not like the most spectacular thing if you're actually trying to find something, um, find out maybe what's wrong with you, like healthcare wise, but you can take that data and you can look at the raw data of it and then you can assign that to, um, so really like looking at your genes and what they're saying and how any like different um, like variations of those genes might be impacting your health or how you use nutrients, um, what foods you should be eating. So things like that. So it was very interesting. Um, it was a great class. I learned a lot about um, the patient population that I serve um, and it was fantastic overall. And then last weekend, I went to really impromptu visit to the Cosmosphere in Hutchinson, Kansas. They were having a 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Um, this was like an Apollo 11 event. They had a really great turnout, it seemed like. Um, I used to be a camp counselor at the Cosmosphere. Absolutely the best job I've ever had. And I got to meet up with a lot of my friends um, I was a counselor with. And they're literally the best people. Like, talk about people that just, like, fill your cup. Like I, I never feel drained after spending time with them. Like it is always like, it's just like so much like goodness is poured into you and it is fantastic. And I wish I got to see them uh, more often. And some of that is just on me for not being uh, very good at communicating with people. And the other part is some of them live kind of far away and that's or they're busy because they're all really spectacular and doing really cool things. So, you know, I did get a flat tire on my way down there. Um, you know, nowhere had the tire that I needed. So I'm still working on getting that fixed. And that was like a big bummer on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I was in Kansas City uh, last weekend, not last weekend, sorry, the weekend before, like when I was coming back from Hutch. And I will be in Kansas City again this next weekend to 
um, see some clients. I think most of you guys know I live in Kirksville, Missouri, but I work with clients in Kansas City. And I see people virtually. I'll see them in person. Um, I can see them um, in their homes. And we can do, like, cooking and really work through some, like, real-life application on some things that can be kind of tough. Other updates. My wrist. So I don't know. Some of you might know that I had surgery on my wrist at the end of May, uh, beginning of the beginning of May. And I had like a cyst removed. And so (laughs) I had to like keep it stable for like not even very long, like 10 days. And I have like, it's not pain. This is a little painful, but only when I like uh, flex my wrist and put pressure on at the same time. But the whole reason I got the surgery done is so I could do push-ups and handstands again. So I am working on that. Um, my It's on my right arm, and I did not realize how absolutely like weak my right arm was. Um, I've been working on doing push-ups and planks, and I'm going to try and work up to doing some handstands. But it's really stiff still. I need to stretch it more. I need to be more religious about doing that. Um so that's on me, but it's coming along. Stay tuned for some videos of me being super ecstatic about doing push-ups. I know it's kind of weird, but um, what am I obsessed with right now? So that's kind of how we're breaking down um, the podcast. We'll do like this entry, like something that's uh, like nutrition related and interesting. Hopefully, hopefully you guys think it's interesting. And then we'll move into like a weekly review just so I can keep you guys updated on anything that's really cool going on. And then at the end, we'll do, um, what I'm obsessed with right now. And right now it is Angelic Bakehouse. So Angelic Bakehouse is a, they're a bread company that, and I won a, a contest. Like I, uh, was in, yeah, we were in D.C. and there's this event called Food Nutrition Conference and Expo. And, you know, there's just a whole bunch of vendors there and they have like really cool booths and all this stuff. So uh, my friend Caitlin and I, we took a picture there and I posted it on Instagram. I didn't even remember what the contest was about. Uh, but then they like e- or they messaged me on Instagram, I guess. And they were like, hey, you won our contest. You get a and I was like, great. What? <laughs> What's the prize? And um, it was like a year's supply of free bread. So, yeah, pretty cool. Um, if that doesn't make you want to be a dietitian, I don't really know what will. But they um, specialize in sprouted grains. And they send us a lot of products. So um, they do, like, sprouted grain pizza crust. They have a whole bunch of different wraps. They have, um, like, a, a couple different kinds of bread. They do a raisin bread. They have buns, they have dinner rolls. Um, I think that's, oh, and they do like these little like bread chips. Like they're kind of like the bagel chips that you would get in like Gardettos and stuff, but they're a little like uh, softer than those. And so like great for like dips and uh, snacking and stuff like that. And so um, like my box for July did not come because we moved. And I probably told them a little bit too late. And so I'd emailed them and I was like, hey, like I'm going to move or I'm I've just moved. And they're like, "Ooh, we just sent the boxes out yesterday, but we'll send you another one to your new address. And I was like, cool, thanks. But I never got my box. But they just sent it because, you know, mix ups, it's not their fault. And they sent it. And I'm very excited. Like I was back in Kansas City, like I was saying, and I went to my old apartment building to see if my box of bread was there. That's how much I was like, I need this bread. Um, my favorite products that they have are, 
sorry, they're, they make these um, turmeric sweet potato wraps, which are very, very good. Um, those are probably like my favorite item. And I wish I got more. They have like um, beet wraps too, which are pretty good. But like these just like hands down are my favorite. They have a bunch of different wraps that are all great. Um, they're all sprouted grains, uh, you know, easy on the digestive tract, stuff like that. The um, multi-grain, it's like the seven grain bread is my second favorite. Um, I don't know. They kind of tie for first, but it is fantastic bread. I don't like when my free bread stops coming, I am going to be so very, very, very disappointed. And I will link to that in the show notes. Um, if you're near a Hy-Vee, they sell at Hy-Vee. I'm not quite sure where else they sell, but I think you can just buy online. Uh, it is a little expensive, but it's like no more expensive than your other fancy bread. So I think it's like um, probably close to like $5 for a loaf of the seven green bread. And I don't really know how much the wraps cost, but I would for sure give those a shot. Um I probably wouldn't spend money on the pizza crusts. They're like really flat, so they're like a really, really thin crust. They call them flatzas. And it's almost like they're like a thick, like a really thick and sturdy tortilla. And that's how flat they are. And I just personally, like, I think that they're kind of like hard to cook and then eat. So like they might be really good, though, if you um, like slice it up into like uh like pita chips kind of and then baked it and then used them for dip that could be really good I might try that with the new one that I got with this box um it's just that like they're big well they make small ones and then they make big ones and so with the big ones um I just have like a really hard time either getting them to be like crispy enough in the middle without burning the edges and so I don't know I've like pre-baked it I've I feel like I've done it all um but I just can't really figure out how to actually use them to make um, like a fantastic pizza. Like the pizzas are still fine. They're like still really good. But, you know, just as far as like what I would spend my money on, I would definitely buy the seven grains breaded bread and I would buy the turmeric sweet potato wraps because they're fantastic. So that is my hot take on Angelic Bakehouse. And I will link to that stuff in the show notes. Um, I will also link to a couple of, uh, to the insulin resistance, um, blog post I did, and I will link to, um, my simple snack handout that you guys can check out. So let me know what you think. Um, if there's any topics you want covered on the podcast, let me know. Totally open to ideas. And, like I said earlier, I am now taking clients and I specialize in working with families who have kiddos. Uh, with developmental or any other disability um, because parents, number one, they neglect themselves so much just taking care of kiddos that don't have any complex health needs. Um, and when it comes to taking care of kids who do have complex health needs, you know, there's just so much medical management and therapy. It's like a second job and they pretty much just put their help on the back burner. And so as a pediatric dietitian, I really want to not only help the child, but help the parents succeed as well. Um, and kind of in the context of what's going on at home with the complex health needs too. So that is really uh, kind of what my bread and butter is. And I'm taking on some clients now. And then 
if someone was interested in that, or maybe you're a parent and, you know, maybe your kiddo doesn't have a complex health need, but being a parent's exhausting anyway and putting food on the table, um, you know, can be difficult. So if you're interested in just kind of checking out, like kind of just getting involved in some community as some people who are struggling with the same things you might be struggling with, check out our Nourish Together Facebook community and you can find that on um, just through the Facebook page. You can search it on Facebook or you can go to my business Facebook page, which is at Eat with BRD, and you can check it out there. So check out some of those things. Um, let me know what you guys think about the podcast and let me know if you have any ideas for future recordings. So thanks for coming to hang out today, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Eat With B, the RD podcast. Join us next time for more table talk on nutrition, health, and life.